0: and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkavichus. Welcome to Secrets of Organ Playing podcast number 82. This is Sunday, February 19, 2017. And today's guest is Peter Holder. Uh, who is the sub-organist of St. Paul's Cathedral in London, where he accompanies the cathedral choir in the daily services and at concerts and events of national significance. Peter is also an organ tutor at the Junior Royal Academy of Music and previously undertook undergraduate and postgraduate studies at the Royal Academy of Music, gaining numerous scholarships and awards, most notably Her Royal Highness, Princess Alice the Duchess of Gloucester Prize for exemplary studentship at graduation in 2013. Peter has previously held posts at Westminster Abbey, St. Albans Cathedral and South Wellminster. He has broadcast for BBC Radio and Television on many occasions and maintains a full and varied schedule as a solo recitalist, orchestral organist and continuo player in addition to fulfilling his duties and St. Paul's. In this conversation, Peter talks about what does it take to play such magnificent instruments at one of the most important cathedrals in the world and what is the musical life behind it. To illustrate this conversation, you will also hear the excerpts of Peter's organ recordings. Let's go to the show. Thank you so much, Peter, for uh, joining in this conversation. I feel like we are having a virtual cup of cappuccino already, right? Uh, And and we'll be having a a wonderful talk about the things that we both enjoy and love, your uh, musical career, uh, musical life at St. Paul's cathedral in London, you know all about those organs and all about those vast spaces, right? So uh, before I go any further, let me thank you so much for your generosity, time and wisdom and welcome to the show.
1: It's a great pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for the invitation. Excellent.
0: So uh, this question that I usually ask uh, Peter, our guests at the beginning is very, very interesting because um, uh, people in their childhood uh, childhood days uh, sometimes get introduced to the king of instruments somehow, right? Either from recordings or maybe from visiting uh, real instruments. Do you remember the story? Can you share how you first fell in love with the organ?
1: Of course, yeah. I mean, and, uh, details are slightly patchy. Uh-huh. I can't remember exactly what my f- first true inspiration was, but I can tell you a little bit about how I started learning the organ. Um, so, um By some chance that I can't exactly remember, as well, my brother began singing in a local church choir, and as families do, uh, we started to support him. And my father joined the choir, and it wasn't going to. um, It was only a matter of time before. I also joined that choir Um, and um, I suppose I had rather more of a fascination with the organ at the church than I did singing with the choir. Um, So it wasn't long before I started asking if I could have a go on the organ. I had already been playing the piano for a number of years. I Mm -hmm. began playing the piano and violin both at at the age of four. Um, So I was able to start um, playing a few hymns on the organ, and then uh, the choir master would say, Well, play this pedal note at the same time, and slowly you start to build an impression of something that sounds um, quite realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a real passion at that point. But um, it was a couple of years later that, um, again by chance, somebody suggested that I considered auditioning to be a chorister at Worcester Cathedral. That was my local cathedral. And I did that, and, and the um, choir master there. Um, started uh, to to get an idea of of my um, enthusiasm for the organ and said, well, why don't you come and Come and have a look at the organ, and he let me play. I think three notes I seem to remember rather well, and it was those three notes that really captivated me and um, inspired me further. So it really was only a matter of time before I started learning.
0: And uh, Forgive me for asking you, Peter, this how many notes can you play today?
1: <laughs> it's a <laughs> very, started, good, very, very it's, good question. It's well, I suppose the number of pipes on the St. Paul's organ is I think seven and a half thousand. Um, exactly. so all of those at the same time, I don't know. <laughs> so
0: from three notes to seven and a half thousand right it's it's years. amazing <laughs> journey right it, it's, <laughs> Not like, bad. it's like uh, for, for uh, you know this uh, first uh, astronaut Yuri Gagarin right a Russian yes. astronaut who who flew around the globe right uh, mm. uh, the first time and, and apparently he lived uh, with his parents in a in a In a mud hut basically in in a you know f- village somewhere in 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 Russia, you know, and they mm. didn 't even have electricity or heating, but in his lifetime he flew around the 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 planet right so it was a dream, so like like yourself, from three notes, now you can wield this magnificent seven and a half thousand pipe instrument right Surely.
1: <laughs> Extraordinary. <laughs> Extraordinary.
0: Everything is possible, Peter
1: Absolutely that <laughs> So fortunate
0: Yes So, uh, Peter um, It's interesting uh, Do you remember What was the first uh, piece that you played
1: publicly uh, On the organ? That's a very good point. I I, I do struggle to remember that. I, I I think, like many organists, you begin with the tutor book.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> So I, there are a number of pieces that I was performing manuals only, and I suppose, um, I, I suppose, in, in England certainly there there is such demand um, for organists at parish level that it was it was no time at all before I was being asked to deputise for services. So I I seem to remember that I was I always enjoyed playing hymns, and I still to this day love playing uh-huh. him I mean, there's nothing more inspiring in, in a place such as saint paul's um leading nearly three thousand people singing lustily a great hymn so that that's one level of enthusiasm that has stuck with me throughout but i mean that that's that is what i recall the most about my early performing days uh, as as an organist mm-hmm. um i think my first recital performance um was 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 absurdly young I suppose uh, around about 10 or 11 in my local church again in a little town called Budely Um, and I vaguely remember playing uh, a number of French toccatas uh, I think the Dubois toccata after that I can't really remember (laughs) You know Peter uh,
0: what was your feeling at the first performance of these French toccatas Were, were you terrified excited or just very relaxed what was it for you
1: I dare say I'm more terrified today than I was back then. We know no fear as children, do we? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. The first performance is always fun. But, this,
0: but the second one is a disaster, <laughs> right? The, because you realize, wow, they are looking at me. They, I can screw. I can make a mess of of my pedal playing, right? I can Absolutely. hit wrong notes, and they came just for me to listen. Sometimes they buy tickets, right? And we feel unworthy of their time and and money. Absolutely.
1: And, and and if it goes well, I suppose you can become a victim of your own success and create an expectation, <laughs> which adds to the pressure, of course.
0: And of course, it, the opposite is also true. If it goes mm. well, you you yeah. can feel like a star, right, a rising ah. star. And ah. uh, it's not also very healthy, right? Too too much um, grandeur or too too much uh, self uh, self uh, basically. Uh, you know Hmm. um, beating we want to stay grounded
1: yes (laughs) stay grounded keep humble keep keep (laughs) humble
0: yeah (laughs) excellent So I'm glad, uh, Peter, that uh, you continue to practice after the first public performance, right? A little bit. You were not discouraged uh, by some of the uh, difficult spots. What happened next, right? Uh, who were your mentors later on?
1: Yeah, I mean, so to continue the story, I was a chorister um, at Worcester Cathedral, as I mentioned before. That, that I began there at the age of six. Um, started organ lessons um, at the cathedral school, uh, where I was schooled as part of um, my choristership. So that that began at the age of eight, um, and um, I continued until my voice changed, um, and that was, I think, the age of, I think, halfway through, sort of thirteen to fourteen. that that sort of time and I was very very fortunate in coming by a local uh, church organ scholarship um, at that point and they they ran a very very fine um, tradition um, uh, well Anglican choir um, and essentially I was able to begin accompanying all the music that for the last seven years I had been singing Mm -hmm. Um, so it really was straight from one Part of the part of the, the choir stalls, if you like, round to round to the organ loft, um, and and it was quite a steep learning curve. Um, but in a sense, for someone with my kind of personality, that was the best possible thing that could have happened to me because it was terrifying at first, really terrifying. And I remember my first day uh, in this job, if you like, turning up um, expecting to observe. Um, just see what things were like. And the car director said to me, um, you, you do realise you're playing for this service. You're, you've got to do this. You've got to accompany that and this. I hadn't, I hadn't done these things at all before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's one way to learn. And, and I, I, I realised later on, of course, I thrive on that kind of pressure, mm-hmm. which I suppose you could say is why why an environment such as St. Paul's now suits me so well. Um, so, so I continued in that position, that training position, if you like, um, mm-hmm. for the next four years, which saw my schooling out. Um, I finished at school, obviously, around the age of 17, 18, and took on a cathedral organ scholarship uh, at Southern Minster, beautiful, beautiful cathedral um, in rural Nottinghamshire. Uh, And that was a fantastic place for me to broaden my horizons, spread my wings a little bit, um, and start to enjoy (laughs) a little bit more. Uh, what I was doing and, and the fruits of my labors over the last few years, and, and that was the point at which I started to decide that maybe I was, maybe I was going to um, make something of this.
0: <laughs> Amazing! Uh, you still continue to practice there, right, continue to perform. What, you, what were your duties there at uh, at your at your next step, at the next uh, position? Uh, were you also required to accompany the choir, play hymns, right? Uh, something else?
1: Exactly that. So um, an organ scholarship, I suppose, um, is is quite a specific thing to the UK, or at least I think its origins are in the UK. Mm-hmm. I would say the Anglican tradition works on the basis of apprenticeships, learning on the job. And, and I suppose the organ scholarship is, is the epitome of that. So. In essence, you are doing everything that your senior colleagues, the the mm-hmm. assistant organist, or organist, whatever you want to call them, master and choristers. You're doing the same things as them, but a, a watered down version of them. Um, and and the idea being that 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 they are mentoring you mm-hmm. at the same time and offering you some guidance. So I suppose even from that very first job, I was doing the same sort of things. I was training the choristers. I was I was playing for the some of the even quite big services. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, getting my hands dirty I suppose in the office making coffee of course there are a certain number of slave duties that come with these (laughs) positions as well but it's all part of growing into an institution and understanding what this um, work is and, and what this tradition is about and and I, having seen it really from from the very, from the very bottom of the pile now to slightly uh, higher up the ladder, if you like, I can really see that it works. Um, it's it's I suppose quite an old form of mm-hmm. of, of learning um, to, to 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 copy others. It certainly works for me, and I've seen it work for others. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's 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 a very capable means of education.
0: Uh, English tradition is so so profound, and it. And because of this, uh, in England there is so 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 vast amount of perfect uh, let's say near to perfect uh, uh, organists, choirs, right? Entire musical tradition, right? Somebody said that uh, England is uh, muse- is uh, basically a land without music, which is totally <laughs> wrong, right? <laughs> they were, they, uh, I think Germans said that, right? <laughs> Some, a long time ago, <laughs> which is totally, actually wrong. And uh, today actually, uh, English tradition is known all over the world, and Americans actually try to copy in some cases English cathedral scholarship tradition too. So, so I'm glad you you were a part of this, trying to learn the craft from the masters, right? And they were good masters, right? They were not envious of you, right? They they tried to help.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I suppose I'm particularly fortunate that you know I, I I've landed. Very many wonderful mentors, and I would struggle really to pick out one above the other because each one at every uh, step of my development has been very, very helpful and been the right person at the right time. Um, I, I hope that's true for everybody, but I can certainly speak for myself. <laughs> uh, in
0: that do your are your mentors still alive? And. Um, I would say yes, entirely. So, Every single one. so you <laughs> want to mention some of them because they might hear this conversation, right? <laughs> Excellent.
1: Oh, I, 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 I very much struggle to, 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 to pick one. I would hate to pick one uh, and, and miss others out. But I would say, I mean, to, to, to single out a few, I suppose. Um, my first organ teacher, uh, who was also the director of music at um, my school, taught me for um i suppose near to 10 years and um and and gave me so much time um and really really took care and and nurtured me Um, and i suppose it's that difference between um uh, adhering to i suppose a formula in terms of teaching and actually just doing the right thing for your pupil and he very much um uh, towards the towards the latter approach Mm -hmm. um knowing that at times, I was I was um, persuading him to teach me music that really wasn't very sensible for me at that stage. I mean, I really can name an example in, in the uh, Dupre Prelude and Fugue in, in B major, which I, I remember learning absurdly young. Um, in hindsight, I've really struggled with that piece ever since because I just learned it too, too young and I picked up bad habits. But um, my teacher uh, recognised that I needed that um, enthusiasm, I needed that project um, to give me drive at that particular point in time in my development so I have absolutely no regrets in 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 that regard even when I pick that piece that particular Mm -hmm. piece off the shelf now and think goodness I wish I hadn't learned that (laughs) until more recently. Um, After after him um, well I suppose in tandem with him I had a wonderful piano teacher who who in a similar way um, really guided me um, and gave me a huge amount of time um i then moved on to another piano teacher um and who who was a little tougher on me um but hugely inspired me um musically Mm -hmm. um and again was very very generous with time i used to travel travel to london for those lessons um and that 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 was I, i remember it was a time when um Uh, school life was taking over I suppose and and one is under increasing uh, demands academically Um, and I I found it hard to fit in the time to to, to, um, practice the piano as much as I wanted to. At that point in time I suppose the organ was my passion (laughs) Um, but I always enjoyed the piano a huge amount but but with only a certain number of hours in a day um, one had to to, to take priority over the other so I I remember travelling to London with a guilt complex, thinking, oh, here's another lesson that I've not really done very much preparation for. (laughs) And my hugely um, inspiring and kind uh, piano teacher would would turn this three-hour lesson into something very, very, well, unbelievably worthwhile, nevertheless. I'm Um,
0: I'm sure it was. Uh, And, Peter, do you think that your experience with piano early on mm -hmm. helped you become a better organist
1: today? Absolutely. I mean, I find uh, more so than the organ and I I make no bones about this, but um, I I do think the piano is a more instinctively musical instrument. I think it's possible to replicate that on a fine organ. um, But I do think the piano has an immediate beauty um, that, that it's hard hard not to come by if you like mm-hmm. as it happens in the last week I've, I've um, spent a considerable amount of time purchasing some new pianos for the cathedral and um, I have to say I've rather been in my element doing that, <laughs> travelling around the various piano shops of London um, they can be unbelievably beautiful instruments mm-hmm.
0: have you seen the opposite example peter of where you, you meet an a brilliant pianist
1: but a rather poor organist i suppose we have to be honest about the techniques are different yeah um you know and i think there are a number of number of people in this country um and other countries of course but i'm, I'm i obviously i focus on those local to me um who have have held um very eminent careers as mm-hmm. both pianist and organist or organist and pianist, whichever way you want to put it. Um, but I don't think any of us would pretend that the techniques are the same. Yeah. Um, I suppose it's a question I'm asked a huge amount in the cathedral by, by um, uh, the numerous tourists who come to ask us about the organ and they say, Oh, is it the same as playing the piano? Well, yeah. um, you know, that it, it, it's, it's essential to be able to play the piano. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would go further in saying, actually, to be able to make music on the piano is essential for you then to replicate that on the organ. Mm-hmm. But yes, of course, I mean, the obvious difference is, um, is the introduction of your feet. It's a very different um, manual technique, of course, as well. But but more to the point, I see that that actually with the organ, I think you're driving a machine. Mm-hmm. I think it's a it's mechanical concept. And if you can drive that machine... And make music. Right. <laughs> and I think I see that's what makes you a really fine organist. I think as as a pianist, you haven't quite got that, that um, distance uh, between yourself and the music. But I think, I think with organs, um, and this is not a criticism by any means, um, because many organs are very comfortable to play, but they are essentially machines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So basically what you're saying is that um, on the piano you play yourself, and mm-hmm. on the organ, the instrument is playing, and you're only wielding it, right? You, you're letting it play, basically.
1: Can I can I say it like this? Uh, I think you can. Enough? Yeah, I, Could that you... is how I see it. I mean, it's very very careful manipulation, mm-hmm. um, and of course, some some instruments some instruments do more for you than others, don't they? And and of right. course, it depends. It depends on the repertoire, and this is why going to play historic instruments can be so unbelievably inspiring because they. They, (laughs) in so many ways, make the music for you, don't Mm -hmm. they? Um, But but they also have you know their limitations. You play historic instruments, you can't play so fast to to be (laughs) to be um, very simplistic about it. (laughs) In in giving one example.
0: So, uh, was your experience with piano technique? uh, uh, was a prerequisite prerequisite for your current position at St Paul's? Basically, does, did it help to get to, to the point where you are today?
1: I suppose I see it um, in smaller terms, that in repertoire terms, if you like. It, I I know. and i have to remind myself this Mm -hmm. (laughs) in terms of self-discipline i know that if i if i keep my piano technique strong i can learn music so much faster Mm -hmm. Um, and and actually i remember uh, again to to name an example the druffle kokata when i had to learn that a number of years back um i didn't actually learn it with my organ teacher i learned it with my piano teacher Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, and and That has stood me in an unbelievably good stead Um, because uh, partly because of the different perspective a pianist um, gives on a piece like that, which essentially is, you know, it it is piano writing uh, as such, but also just the technical grounding. Uh, If you've got the strength to to achieve what you need to achieve uh, with vitality um, on the piano, there's a very, very good chance you'll be able to achieve the same on the organ, mm-hmm. I carry around in my bag every single day a book that says um, uh, an hour of piano practice a day. And I th- I'd be lying if I said I think I'd ever ever achieved that. But it's, it's at least as a daily reminder mm-hmm. <laughs> of something that w- w- would help me enormously. And, and I, I see the benefits it, hugely. The, the other similar benefit is, is playing a small mechanical practice organ. Mm-hmm. The days I'm able to go and do that, as opposed to playing the vast cathedral organ at St Paul's, for example... It, it it's really transforms my technique. Um, I really reap the rewards of that, and, and I'm always striving to do it more, if only there were more hours in the day.
0: Saint Paul's, Peter. What kind of yeah. organ do you play? Because
1: okay, there, so there the... are many,
0: right? How many organs there are in total at this... Okay,
1: so there are. Um, i I think five is the figure. Uh, if I start with the very smallest, we have a little chamber organ um, by Kenneth Tickell. We use that for accompanying early music. Um, so, um, uh, t- um, Tallis, Bird, uh, Gibbons. We we'll, those kind of composers, or even Bach motets, very very occasionally, um, and that allows us to be, to be part of the choir, part of the ensemble. And this this little organ is is mobile, and we place it between uh, the two sides of the choir. Uh, it just gives a slightly more um, uh, compact performance, if you like. Yes. Um, then we have um, a small practice organ um, in in our choir practice room. We have a very beautiful and quite recent instrument by William Drake. Um, that's a two manual mechanical instrument built along baroque lines it's it's in a mild temperament as well that's in our order of the british empire chapel which is underneath the choir of saint paul's Um, that space is used for weddings and baptisms and memorial services for those affiliated with the order of the british empire and we have I have several of those services each week, so that organ gets um, quite a workout. Um, it has to accompany the choir a little bit, um, but primarily it's there for leading big hymns, um, voluntaries, if you like, and it, it does that very, very effectively. People are really uh, captivated by, by, by the sound that it makes. It, it was um, voiced by uh, a Dutch uh, voicer, and it, it really does have that um, Baroque characteristic um, that, that, that really does captivate listeners uh, people often remark on that um, upstairs we have what we call the willis on wheels this uh-huh. is uh henry henry willis instrument that is um i forget the dates of it but it is it's old um a small compact two manual instrument um but it's quite a weight <laughs> so uh-huh. it's, it's mobile but not very mobile mm-hmm. uh, when i say that it requires about 10 people to move it we keep this under the dome of saint paul's and um on one hand, it can act as quite a useful fallback should we, uh, God forbid, um, have any major problems with our main instrument. Um, but it's also used when we perform double organ masses such uh-huh. as those by uh, Longle, Vienne, Vidor. Um, so we can perform those sort of authentically um, with one organist using that as the choir organ and then somebody else on the grand organ uh, playing the grand organ parts. Um, and then last, but by no means least, we have the, the very, very fine um, five-manual instrument um, originally by Willis um, and uh, more recently worked, uh, well, expanded by Noel Mander and now John Mander's firm. Mm-hmm. And that instrument, to give you a little bit of the history of it, um, the casework um, was the design of Christopher Wren, so it dates from the very, very beginning of the cathedral. And the instrument today still houses... Um, maybe a hundred of, of those pipes from the original instrument, the open diapason number two um, on the grate, uh, to, to give one example. And that's that like a fine wine has just matured and matured. It's right. a very, very, very beautiful sound, um, both up close, but also in the space. Um, that instrument was essentially um, completely reimagined by Henry Willis at the end of the 19th century. And with the advent of pneuma- pneumatic technology, um, Willis was able to split this case, which previously faced um, east-west uh, on a screen um, uh, facing east-west down the cathedral. He was able to split it in two, put it on the north and south sides of choir um, with with the pneumatic piping mm-hmm. running un- underneath the choir. This this was a pretty bold move at the time, uh, and testament to his work that the organ looks just um, as well in situ now as it did uh, (laughs) uh, in the original cathedral. And it wasn't long before the instrument started to be expanded. So with the removal of the screen at the head of choir, uh, the the acoustical conundrum of the Dome of St. Paul's had to be tackled. So it's well known that that this dome uh, creates an acoustic uh, acoustic reverb of about 13 seconds. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you can imagine how challenging that can be in terms of making... Music. <laughs> and, Thirteen um, seconds,
0: right? It's it's unbelievable, seconds. unbelievable. It, it's, it's one it's of the
1: biggest beautiful. cathedrals on earth, right? <laughs> it's it's extraordinary, and and to experience it daily is 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 um, uh, unbelievable.
0: Can you describe but, a little bit the feeling when you play this grand organ, uh, and uh, how different you have to adapt to it in comparison
1: to let's say the choir organ, right? Or absolutely. It, i mean, the the sound just continues and continues and continues. I suppose you have to be strategic in in thinking all the time where is your congregational where is your audience where is your choir which divisions of the organ do I use so what I was sort of alluding to before is that that to to tackle this acoustical conundrum and the organ builders decided to start experimenting with expanding the instrument around the building and and ultimately I think that experiment has been considered a success so Willis started by um, putting some pipes up in the dome Mm -hmm. Um, and And because it was an experiment at first, he used pipes that were where well, they were recycled pipes and I think it was Jean Longley who commented when uh, when he <laughs> when he came to play some years ago of course that um that that he doesn 't play to the pigeons he he refused to use those dome dome pipes um but but in the in the 1970s at least um that division in the dome was um comprehensively restored um New high-pressure trumpets were added up there for um, ceremonial occasions. And also in the 1970s, they decided to add an, a further chorus division at the west end of the cathedral um, and also some shamard um, reeds, if you like, some what we call the royal trumpets or the state trumpets, and they were inaugurated at um, Her Majesty's Silver Jubilee celebrations. So the, 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 there was an attempt, I suppose, to create... Um, what I describe as as, as, a, as a rather expensive surround sound system. Right. <laughs> um, and I think, I think that is largely successful. Um, but that's not to say that, that we don't have to uh, use other strategies as well. So uh, to go back to what you were asking, when we're performing, I suppose maybe we take more space, we breathe more right. in our musical performances. There was a time when the performance tradition at St. Paul's was to perform everything a lot slower. Right. Uh, I would say we've moved away from that now. Um, in terms of organ performance, as I say, I breathe more. I also articulate more, mm-hmm. but that's that's partly my personal manner of playing as well. <laughs> so I suppose the two, 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 two are suited in that in that regard.
0: And especially if you play polyphonic music, right? Polyphonically complex pieces, you probably want to slow down a little bit, right? Too.
1: I I mean yes. Uh, absolutely, and also I think there has to be a, a, an honesty here that certain music is not effective in that space. Mm-hmm. I, I, that is my feeling. So there are certain works of Bach that are so contrapuntally uh, sort of intertwined that I, I think I think too much is lost, um, and and I will I will prefer not to play music like that. I mean, a piece, for example, that does work quite well is I, I played the other week is the uh, Bach um, Prelude and Fugue in D. The fugue is, is of course more transparent and if you play it on a registration that is very clean so say um the fugue on on eight four and two without complicated mixtures or 16 yes. foots, then i think it can sound absolutely glorious in that space mm-hmm. um but those are the kind of strategies you're playing with very very strategic use of registration
0: So, organists who come to you, right? Guest organists sometimes think, oh, they have 16-foot trumpet, right? I have to use it on the manuals <laughs> all the time. And this is not the case, right? If you're playing comp- complex polyphonic works,
1: right? Y- you want to have this clarity sometimes. Absolutely. If and the, you if, have if the you- tempo is lively. And 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 you have to allow the building to be the judge. And and again, that, I mean that is hard. I mean particularly there are two the two means of playing the organ at St Paul's. There is a fixed console in choir, and that is where we um, accompany the choir from uh the 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 majority of the time and you from there you can hear the chancel organ very very effectively so you can accompany the choir and and judge very very well the balance it's harder to judge the building from that space but by and large when you're accompanying the choir there your congregation are also within that more intimate space and you can judge things well we can also play from under the dome Mm -hmm. Uh, now the challenge there is that you are slightly separated from the chancel pipe work and you are underneath the point at which the own pipework um speaks. So that goes all over your head. <laughs> and as I say, you're blocked from the chancel um pipework. So you're essentially hearing everything through reverberation. That can be quite a challenge because you you, you can be playing the next note before you hear the last one, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um
0: do you remember Peter the first day when
1: you touched this grand organ in your life? What was the feeling? Actually, I mean, the first time I played at St. Paul's, I was still working in my previous position at wow. Westminster Abbey. Um, and I was deputising for, for a number of services after Easter. Um, I suppose at that time I was very, very well tuned to the instrument at the Abbey, which was quite a different one, I suppose. And, and 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 I suppose I was slightly guilty of trying to make the St. Paul's instrument sound like the Abbey organ, as you do when you're well well tuned into to one instrument over another. Um but I was completely bowled over by the space, mm-hmm. I suppose, um, initially. And, and more recently, I've, I've so grown to love um, the sound of that organ. It, it's, it's utterly captivating.
0: It's like ocean of sounds, right? Basically, roaring. Exactly that.
1: it can be so thrilling (laughs)
0: yeah once in a lifetime opportunity for people to hear this this uh, wave tsunami of sound if you will right it coming at you if you are in the pews right listening uh, it's it's probably unforgettable experience probably
1: well i've never i've never worked anywhere before where an organ captivates the average person the non-musician the, the average tourist um uh, and they are the majority of people that come to st paul's i've never worked in a place that captivates them mm-hmm. in such a way as as the organ of st paul's people will come to recitals not expecting to be at a recital um and just sit there completely uh, in awe of this experience this sound um it's there's something otherworldly about it it's magical
0: i was going to say probably this entire experience uh, building right music instrument acoustics right 13 seconds uh, mm. they all work together and uh, help the listener probably uh, move to another dimension so to say maybe to another place in time and uh, and space uh, where they can feel like in a bliss, right? A moment of bliss. And you are an organist, right? You're playing, you are wielding these instruments and creating Mm. this magical opportunity for them. Isn't that a great privilege? It is a privilege.
1: Exactly is what it is. Um, Mm. A a, a complete... Honor, and, and that is our job, and 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 how fortunate are we to be able to do that, um, and 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 I see St Paul's is right in the, in the in the heart of the city of London. It's it's opposite the Stock Exchange. It's right next to the sort of the, the, the financial district, I suppose, of London. It's a really busy and noisy place, and if people can just drop by the cathedral and see it as a a, a sanctuary, a safe haven, a place of quiet. Um, and of prayer, then, then we're doing our job right, <laughs> if, if you like. And, and I do, I, I do see that as, a, as, a, consider it a daily reminder, um, what an honor it is to be part of, part of that movement.
0: when you go back in time peter uh, mm-hmm. do you remember you still remember your early days as an organist can you say what was the f- number one thing you wish you knew back then that might have helped you to develop further faster more efficiently and uh, in general make made your life easier
1: That's is there one good. thing <laughs> one thing i i oh, I, I think I think I increasingly feel, because I, 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 I'm doing more teaching now, of course, and I see younger students and I see them thriving, and I think, gosh, that, that, it's incredible what they're achieving at such a young age. Um, if, I'm, if I'm completely honest, I look back and I wouldn't change a thing because I'm doing now right. what I always dreamed of doing. Um, I, and, and, of course, that means you have some knocks and bumps along the way. And, and I could, I, if I wanted to take things apart, I could say, oh, I wish that hadn't happened. But all of that has shaped me. Mm-hmm. You know, we often say, of course, you know, the best music we make is when we're, when we're not necessarily that happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I I see an advantage in everything that's happened to me. It's all steered me in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I couldn't be happier with the variety of work that I do now. I mean, I, I do quite a lot outside of St. Paul's as well now, both teaching, playing concerts choir training in europe and um and and in the united states as well um i suppose i could say i'm living a dream <laughs> and peter
0: uh, what are you working on right now after for example our virtual cappuccino today what are you <laughs> going to practice today or prepare for what is your um, schedule look like
1: I suppose, I mean, I can give you an idea of an average day. This this isn't an average day, because it's my it's my day off from St. Paul's. So it's my day to catch up on uh, freelance work and, and I suppose my personal life, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, but a typical day at St. Paul's would, mm-hmm. would, would begin with um, rehearsing uh, the choristers. I always try, <laughs> I, and, and I give emphasis on try, it's not always possible, but I do aim to do some organ practice in the morning, mm-hmm. either preparing for the litters later that week mm-hmm. um, or or whatever repertoire project I might have on the go. So I try to do that early on in the day before you're too weighed down by uh, the various meetings. So we attend a lot of planning meetings and I, I'm responsible for fixing organ recitalists at St. Paul's and also meeting all the wedding couples and helping them to choose their music. And the day of course, typically ends with, um, with even song. That is our daily, uh, sung liturgy at five o'clock, um, and often there are, there are concerts and the like after after that. In terms of projects at the moment, I suppose I've just been performing uh, Messiaen's La Nativity, um which is a completely uh, wonderful and amazing experience. Um, it's the second time I've performed it at St. Paul's and performing it in a sort of quasi liturgical environment, um, is is something that will, uh, well, an experience that will stick with me uh, for the rest of my life. I do hope that I'll be able to do it, do it at least one or two more times. Um, recently, I suppose, in the last week, I've been working on the uh, Bach Tor- uh, Dorian mm-hmm. Fu for performance next week. And that's a that's a interesting and complicated work which I'm glad to have come come at in later years, I suppose, mm-hmm. to to allude to what I was saying earlier about learning some certain pieces slightly too soon. Um so I'm really enjoying getting to know that. Um and I, I dare say I'll be um doing further work on it particularly the feud I think uh, tomorrow
0: excellent and any any practices of further messian cycles like Le Scorpio uh, Gloria, for example for Easter are you are you also in, uh, planning this in the future
1: I'm actually, the, I'm performing the, uh, in, again, in a, sort of, uh, in a meditation, a sort of quasi liturgical mm-hmm. uh, uh, offering, um, the Turnamir Seven Last Words of Christ. Wow. And I did that once before at St. Paul's um, for a Holy Week meditation. So I'll be performing that at St. Paul's on, I think it is Passion Sunday at 6 pm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a, 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 a an inspiring work, particularly, as I say, when, when performed interspersed with the, the the readings of scripture, mm. um, it's, it makes sense, I think. Yes, yeah. that's yes. how it
0: was originally conceived, actually. And, uh, and Turnamir was a great uh, organ uh, um, meditator, basically, with his mm-hmm. uh, great cycles, right? Uh, um, helping uh, organists to make this entire experience so mystical so to say right absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely
1: i suppose another project i'm I'm working on which it it doesn't sound quite so exciting maybe it's a practical project in a sense but it's it's the release of a recording that i made um two years ago um and i'm embarrassed to say that i made it so long ago and that it's not yet commercially released but um it's it's too easy to be taken over by the practicalities of life rather than furthering the projects that you might like to but um i recorded it um, near neosheim abbey in Mm -hmm. southern germany um one of the most if not the most inspiring instruments i have probably ever played uh Holtzheim restored by Kuhn um instrument above the west windows um again a glorious acoustic and a gl- glorious instrument and building to match um and uh, I recorded the works of what, what i what i call the Bach family so js but also a number of his sons um, and actually, Edging into sort of romanticism with uh, composers such as Rink, um, and also a work in Mozart before that as mm-hmm. well. So I'm 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 working sort of daily on on writing the sleeve notes for that and and having well having it prepared for commercial release. And I'm very excited to, to have that done, such that I can move on to the next project. <laughs> I hope I hope, <laughs> Peter,
0: I hope Peter that is, is in this year or even sooner. Right, your mm. CD project will will be completed, and people around the world will will have a chance to experience you're playing uh, on, on recording.
1: St. Paul's, one of the amazing things there, of course, is, is being able to speak to average, the average person who has ne- not necessarily any interest in the organ, but they're captivated by the instrument. And you're able to say, well, this is what this, this pipe does and this is how the instrument works and then let them play. And you send these people out to the cathedral with an experience they never thought mm-hmm. they would ever have. Um, and completely inspired by an, a, a new concept, and, and I see that um, uh, well, it's as, as an enormous pleasure. I, I really, really enjoy um, that side of my work, if you like, introducing the instrument to new audiences. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think I saw. I was listening to one of um, one of uh, one of your other interviews, in which uh, someone was saying how how they enjoyed doing organ transcriptions, which mm-hmm. um, I, I also enjoyed doing a huge amount. But what I see there is is being critical is choosing repertoire that's engaging to the listener. Yes. Um and I think there's something very very important about choosing the right music um somehow being engaging and entertaining but without dumbing down if you like. So providing the the, the, the serious works of um of JS Bach but also perhaps including an orchestral transcription that in, that that shows off the various colors of the instrument as well um i think i think so much is critical in terms of um repertoire planning mm-hmm. and indeed registration uh, you know as
0: you're right this uh, this uh, variety issue is so critical right when you choose mm-hmm. the re- uh, repertoire right uh, if you love one side of the ins- instrument one side of the repertoire you can forget the listener who is new right and uh, and uh, uh, the more I play on the organ too, I sort of sometimes like to actually have variety in the organ uh, repertoire too because yeah. this v- variety of experiences gives like a good meal, right? You have a little bit of that of, and a complete menu. Uh, exactly. On, on and I,
1: I was very glad that you didn't ask me if I had a favorite composer because that's what most people do. And um, of course I, I don't. I mean, I I, I enjoy playing everything, mm. and, and as you say, like a good meal, people want to hear a bit of everything, and unfortunately, that's, that's what keeps me interested as well.
0: <laughs> On special occasions, though, of course, mm. if you if you have this, for example, Tournemir, right, a cycle, mm. right, a liturgical cycle, you only mm-hmm. need the cycle, you won't play Mozart or Bach in that, right? Uh, th- it makes Absolutely. sense to have this unified yeah. program, right? Yeah, but yeah. you have to communicate then ab- about that about uh, the theme right in the right way so that people would know what to expect and uh, be on the same page yeah so so peter uh, how does the main sunday service look like uh, at uh, st paul's uh, yeah. is it a special service where the bishops and and uh, ev- every you know majesty her majesty sometimes participates right
1: um, I suppose so there's a daily, daily round of services. So um, each day of the week, we mm-hmm. perform Evensong at mm-hmm. five o'clock. And that's, that's a sung service by our cathedral choir. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I mentioned previously on Saturdays, we also include a number of weddings and baptisms, possibly a memorial service as well. Um, and, and there are any number of special services that might take place in the week as well. But a Sunday, the way a Sunday looks, it begins with a, a said service of Holy Communion, um, at 8 o'clock, followed by sung matins, uh, which I suppose is the morning equivalent of evensong, mm-hmm. uh, again sung by a cathedral choir. And then I suppose the prime service is is the Eucharist, or the Mass, if you like, at 11.30. Um, and that's attended by the full cathedral chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, I suppose, our main service, takes place underneath the Dome of St. Paul's. It's, it's one of the very few occasions when we sort of come out, as musicians come out to the people and perform under that... Um, vast and incredible dome um most of the time we perform in the more intimate space of choir later in the day we again have Evensong song at the earlier time of of, of, uh quarter past three we follow that with a weekly organ recital and follow that again by a final um eucharist or mass um, at six o'clock which uh, includes organ uh, improvisations but i suppose all of that um forgets what some people would see as our primary function. I think we see the daily round of services uh, <laughs> as our primary function, but other people might regard St. Paul's as um, the cathedral of the nation. Mm-hmm. And we have very specific responsibilities there. So there are a number of very important national um, events that we have to host um and of course you never quite know uh, what warning you might be given uh, depending on the nature of that event but uh, more recently i suppose last june uh, we hosted her majesty the queen's 90th birthday celebrations that was a, a stunning uh, festival if you like um and, and that's, I suppose, when we're, we're all aimed to be on our, uh, on our finest form. And those, those occasions can be completely thrilling um, and terrifying as well, but completely thrilling and, and, a, and an honour to perform mm-hmm. at them. Other more sensitive occasions might be, um, uh, I think, the previous year we marked the 10th anniversary of the London bombings. Um, so, so we are housed for that kind of prayer uh, and worship as well, and, and invariably, those kind of performances are documented on live television as well. So there's an important function there mm-hmm. um, and duty to the to the to the nation, to mm-hmm. the state.
0: National Cathedral, St. Paul's, you probably uh, have the opportunity to really commission new works, right, for those occasions.
1: Absolutely. Um, And we did, in fact, for the the service I mentioned uh, for the Queen's birthday birthday last uh, year, we commissioned a work by Judith Weir. Um, And so, uh, of course, it's very, very important within our tradition that we keep the repertoire fresh. Um, In fact, just last year, we we ran a collaboration with um, a UK magazine, Choir and Organ, magazine, uh, a, a collaboration, um, and we, we, we essentially um, wrote about the various uh, facets of the music department at St. Paul's, and by return, the magazine commissioned six new works for the cathedral within that year, four for choir and two for organ, um, and, and that was a, a fantastic sort of um, crash course, I suppose, if you like, in, in commissioning <laughs> uh, commissioning music, but I think, aside from that, we would aim once or twice a year commission uh, a new work, not necessarily even for a special occasion, mm-hmm. just to keep keep the repertoire fresh. Again, just last night, actually, at Evensong, uh, we performed a work that was new to us as a cathedral. I mean, it, the, the work itself is about 40-odd years old, but new to us. It's very, very important. Um, to, to so,
0: Peter, uh, I guess in this kind of space, in this cathedral, probably uh, any any organist would feel compelled to create, right? Not only to perform, mm-hmm. but to have a, um, a creation a spirit, right? To to create something of composition or improvisation or put down mm-hmm. on paper. Do you compose also
1: sometimes? Um, I suppose I haven't composed in, uh, since the days when I, I perhaps had to. <laughs> um, either for my school studies or yes. for my um, uh, my my. Uh, university studies. I was a student at the Royal Academy of Music um, for uh, f- for four undergraduate and and uh, one postgraduate years and I I now do some some teaching there too um so I've composed when needs must Mm -hmm, but for my own pleasure I suppose I've done some arrangements um for for actually as it happens for uh to to give you some idea of the, the broad scope of what we do just at Christmas just gone we um hosted a number of large charity um carol services or carol concerts and the one was for NSPCC, the National Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Children and and that um, carol concert concluded with an arrangement that I had to do of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas so I don't suppose when I started out um, ten, 10 or so years ago that I envisaged doing that but it does give you some idea of, <laughs> of the scope of what we do. Uh, in, in addition to that I very very much enjoyed doing my own organ transcriptions mm-hmm. um, so I've done a number of works by Elgar and Holst. in fact I think on YouTube there's, there's um, a performance of a, a duet arrangement I did uh, of the much loved final movements of Sanson's organ um, symphony uh, number three.
0: Brilliant. Um,
1: so, Peter, do you feel that in on such a
0: grand space, right, grand organ, right, an organist can improvise and create spontaneous music?
1: I suppose so. I mean, that's the other side to composition, isn't it? it right. It's spontaneous spontaneous composition i've always enjoyed improvisation but it it, there's something um quite terrifying about it certainly certainly in a space like saint paul's you could imagine that the acoustic is liberating and up to a point it is as is the colorful instrument it's liberating but um it's the same thing as i suppose making an error uh, playing a wrong note in repertoire i'm afraid you have to suffer the consequences of that for the next 13 seconds (laughs) such as the nature of that space so so it's not necessarily a cover blanket But as I say, yes, it can be uh, enormously inspiring just to improvise as part of the liturgies there. But but actually what's peculiar, I suppose, um, or might be deemed peculiar to the Anglican tradition is uh, certainly at St. Paul's, there's not actually that much of a requirement for us to improvise. Mm -hmm. Um, So personally, I have taken some studies more recently with Thierry Esquish in in Paris, and I I want to do that more. But I see that really for my own fulfilment rather than... As 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 a necessary to my work at St Paul's, I would say normally I would improvise um, at the beginning of an even song service. But generally, that's meditative. It's it's only really setting up um, setting up the introit that the choir are about to sing. So it's it's a 30-second, perhaps one minute meditation. Um, so it's not really what you might say, a chance to, to let rip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, uh, beyond that, there are, there are occasions, um, even at very, very large state occasions, where perhaps a procession takes longer than anticipated and, and one has to continue the sun hymn. Uh, so you continue in that vein, um, and that's that's, I suppose, a, a discipline, and perhaps one of the scariest things that, mm. that that we we have to do. But it's that's quite a specific thing. It's not really like being able to liturgically improvise. You're not really able to take your own themes. You're really continuing that that that, that has preceded. Uh-huh. So continuing the theme of that hymn. Yes. Um, invariably these things turn into fanfares. so of course uh, sort of quite pompous fanfares is something that we have to have to do quite a lot and it's i suppose just as well that we have um high pressure trumpets dotted around in just about every space of the cathedral to be able to to do that quite effectively and quite in quite a thrilling manner
0: I guess uh, it's very thrilling, but also relaxing experience to to make your own music. Even if you continue continue the previous style, right? Previous theme, pre- previous hymn, and if you and, and you no longer playing from the sheet, right? From the mo- uh, notes, you, you feel differently, right?
1: Absolutely. I mean, it, and, and I mean, to, to, to again, um, reference yesterday's Evensong. Um, so the beginning, the opening hymn, which was a processional one, was was just four verses long, which was which was not sufficient to cover the movement that was necessary. And, and it's quite interesting because you really switch from one discipline to another when you're playing hymns at St. Paul's. Um, because of the vast instrument and vast space that you're handling and the fact that your congregation is scattered over a huge space, you're having to play in a very authoritative and quite a four-square regimented way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose um, when you then break out into your improvisation, you're really having to switch from one side of your brain to the other. Um, and I've never experienced that, in a sense, more than at St. Paul's. You are playing the hymn in a very strict and and borderline robotic way mm-hmm. um and you get to the at, the end of that you realize that the procession is not concluded and suddenly you need to switch from one mindset to another and break into complete freedom that can be quite tricky from time to time and and it, and, and it can be possible on those occasions that you you revert to sort of well-known patterns if you like in your improvisation apart from uh, well Partly, I suppose, because you don't know how long you're going to need to play for. Um, very often, it can be a matter of just continuing that hymn for 10 seconds. On other occasions, and, and I believe my my colleague, uh, Simon Johnson, um, had to do so at the um, Queen's 90th birthday service back in June. I think he had to improvise for about two minutes, which is, um, you know, on, on live television is, is quite a pressure, especially when you're not expecting to have to do it. Only then to return to the final verse of the hymn, <laughs> having plugged the gap, and break back into that sort of more robotic uh, means of making music. It, these, these things are a challenge, but... Um, uh, uh, an interesting one uh, an enjoyable one <laughs> yeah. it's part of the experience
0: right it's part exactly. of, the, of the of the job description probably that totally you that. have to you have to be open to making your own music uh, excerpts right uh, between uh, between the verses and do not feel like uh, you are about to panic right
1: exactly i mean i and i mentioned it as a challenge but of if- course not change it for the world <laughs> yes wonderful
0: peter can you tell our listeners a link where they can find you and your work and on,
1: online of course i mean so there's two two uh Port's Call, if you like, there's the cathedral website um, for all things to do with uh, the music of St. Paul's. That is www.stpauls.co.uk. And my personal website where I keep a diary and um, news of um, uh, various concerts and and activities that I'm doing. And um, you can also contact me there is www.peterholdermusic.co
0: fantastic peter i will make sure to include uh, those links into the description of the podcast so that people literally can click on the links and go to those places and experience uh, the moments that you you share with the world too so thank you so much uh, peter for this generous virtual cup of cappuccino and uh, i hope we will meet uh, some some time face to face I, i know we will
1: it would be a great pleasure, and thank you so much for your time this morning. It's Excellent. been an enormous pleasure to talk. Thank you. Excellent.
0: If you liked this conversation, I encourage you to visit my blog, Secrets of Organ Playing, at organduo.lt, where you will find lots of insights, practical advice, and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. I hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. I'm Vida Pinkavitus, Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you online really soon.